Thursday Finance too, and Stephen Pritchard, great to have you along again for 2017. Keep our finances up to date. Look at what we should be doing with them. And the first question I've got for you, the Donald Trump effect. I know it's early days. Well, when I say the Donald Trump effect, is he going to, he and his policies going to have an effect on our financial well-being, do you think? Oh, there's no, there's no doubt that his policies will have a, an effect on our uh, some effect on Australia, but but you know if you look at the reaction of the markets, um, it seems to be different to a, the reaction ever since it's, it's, he's been um, won the election in the US. Um, the markets in Australia and the US have, have have drifted up over over this time period, and so much so that the, the US Dow Jones got to uh, twenty thousand points last. Th- Friday, I think. Um, so the markets are saying that Donald Trump's policies or proposed policies are good, going to be good for the economy in Australia and the US. Um, but a lot of the press and media are saying the opposite. So um, I think history's shown that the markets are generally better than the <laughs> forecasters. Um, so I think we'll wait and see. So do you think perhaps people in the, the media, in their, in their articles at this stage, are not really looking at some of the, the real economic type uh, questions? Uh, I, 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 we were watching the day of the election and one media channel in Australia was putting out forecasts. We were watching in the office as it was occurring. Uh, we had the television on. One media station in Australia was putting out forecasts that Hillary Clinton has won the election. She's getting further and further ahead. And if you looked at the live voting numbers that were coming from the US on the US website, the opposite was happening. So um, Donald mm. Trump was getting, you know, who I'm talking about. And, and, you know, that's, yeah. So I think you've got to be careful of your media source. Although Rupert's position, in, Rupert Murdoch's done well, positioned himself into a good position over there. He supported uh, the Fox Network, which uh, support which Rupert controls, supported Donald Trump's election. So that'll have to be positive for Australia and, and uh, shareholders in uh, Rupert's companies. <laughs> we still like Rupert to do well as an Australian, don't we? Yes, Maybe yes and no. Yeah, particularly if you're a shareholder in some of the companies. Yes, I think that, that's of right. Course. Well, speaking about which, let's have a look at um, share markets and commodities. How are they going? This um, uh, the, gold pro- the gold price is pretty steady. Uh, it's $1,586 an ounce and there's at the um, end of uh, December, then December it was $1,580 an ounce, so pretty steady there. Um, the oil price was uh, $74.59 last night, and as at the end of uh, December it was $77.42. So the oil price has drifted down slightly, and the copper, the copper price, which is a lead indicator of economic activities, was 7899 last night per tonne, and at the end of December was 7704 So that's up about $200 a tonne over the last month or so. Um, the uh, exchange rates, um, the Australian dollar was uh, last night 75.86 cents and at the end of December it was 72.2 cents. Um, the principal reason why the Australian dollar is going up is that the, the coal price has made a dramatic, the end of last year and towards, and, and this year has made a dramatic increase and also the um, iron ore prices have made a big increase over the last you know, three or four months, and that's reflected in the Australian dollar increasing mm-hmm. against the US dollar. But the US dollar has also been increasing against other world currencies. Now, that coal price going up has got to be good for Newcastle, hasn't it? Oh, probably not, because most <laughs> of the profits are, 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 are sent overseas. Well, we can look at the coal going past and think it looks... Well, normal. basically, I mean, you look what what effect it's got in Newcastle is... Um, um, uh, maybe a few more people employed at the mines, but the, the profits are being um, 
sent overseas and, and you know now Rio's interests uh, um, which is, there's a lot of Australian shareholders in Rio for historical reasons but they're actually selling the Hunter Valley coal interests off to um, Yang Coal which is a um, Chinese owned and controlled company so uh, yeah so I don't know that apart from creating employment um, and there's been a lot of cuts in the mining industries I don't know that um, it is any benefit mm, okay um, and where are we talking about? The Great British Pound. Um, so that looks like the Brexit issues exits definitely on. The House of Commons passed some legislation last night. Um, so uh, the Great British Pound's uh, 59 pence, and at the end of December it was 58 pence, so not much change there really. And the euro um, is uh, 70 euro P, so 70 euro pence, isn't it? Euro cents. Cents? Yes. Okay, so one Australian dollar buys 70 euro cents and compared to 68 euro cents at the end of December. So the A dollar's gone up slightly against that as well. Uh, the world markets, um, the All Ordinaries Index is uh, 5,704 um, last night. The S&P was 2,279 uh, 2, and the UK index was 7,107. So there's not much change in those. They're up slightly compared to what they were at the end of uh, December. So, you, you know, Australia, January is a very quiet month. Lots of people only come back from their summer holidays and, you know, mm, Australia, yes. you know. And, and uh, when they're coming back, of course, they need petrol for their cars. Yeah, we'll get onto that. So oh, we've got right. this new section here. Right. We've got a few local stock prices now. So uh-huh. we've got the BHP closed yesterday at seventy-seven, uh, $27.08, which is up from $25 at the end of December. So that's reflecting the rising copper, uh, the rising uh, copper, actually copper there, and copper, copper, iron ore and coal prices. So they're almost at 10% since um, the end of uh, December. Um, CBA is pretty much the same, down slightly, $82 compared to $83 at the end of December. Uh, one of the local companies, NIB Health Funds, is $4.62 compared to $4.80 at the end of December. So that's fallen slightly, but that's had a good run. I mean, it was $3.40 you know, 18 months ago. So anyone who's done, anyone who who was then there in the demutualisation and got the shares for free? And, um, if they got six thousand shares, they now they now got you know twenty five thousand dollars, which they've never paid for directly. Um, and then uh, Tolstra's pretty steady, five dollars and seven compared to five dollars and twelve at the end of December. Um, and the oil price now oh, yeah. is uh, the fuel price. Sorry, there's a big difference in the fuel price. A uh, dollar thirty two in Newcastle today. And a dollar fifteen in Sydney. <laughs> yes, well, are we starting the year the way it's going to continue? Yes, well, Dominic was shocked when he got this off the website, and I said, "Oh, wait, nothing I can do." Um, and yeah, you know, you know, it's a huge difference. You know, you're talking about um, fifteen cents on thirty, which is twelve and a half percent difference. I mean, mm. it couldn't possibly cost that much money to transport the fuel up from Sydney. It couldn't. And I think the NRMA's figures is one to two cents a litre. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um, perhaps we need to ask our uh, local members to investigate yeah, that and shouldn't. just do something about that. And the diesel price in Newcastle is $1.22 and in Sydney it's $1.21. So, so, you know, it costs as much to transport a litre of diesel as it does. Of course, it is that time when we talk to Henry Jennings from the Marcus Today Financial Newsletter. Stephen Pritchard, I'm sure you've got lots to talk about with Henry.
Oh, no, we're all just back from the Christmas holidays. We could talk about that. And, you, know, exactly. you don't want to come back to work, do you, Henry? Uh, I've been back a little while, Stephen. Happy New Year to you and all the listeners. Happy New Year to you, Henry. Uh, I was yeah. back and then I had a couple of days off and now I'm back again. Um, so oh, the commodity prices have gone up, continue to go up since uh, we last spoke? Yeah, they have. Uh, the markets uh, markets have done pretty well, especially uh, after that uh, Christmas um, rally. It continued for a few weeks into January, and then it's come to a bit of a halt. But uh, commodity prices very much still in focus, and they are a function to some extent of the US dollar, which has been winging around. Some days uh, it goes higher because interest rates look as if they're heading higher in the US. And then Donald Trump or one of his advisors comes out and says that uh, he wants a lower dollar and it goes lower again and commodity prices pick up. But at the moment, you know, we've got iron ore at uh, you know, 82 bucks a, a tonne and we've got uh, you know, some pretty good gains across the board in our resource stocks. Um, we even saw last night the oil price pick up as well. So um, it's all looking quite good for our mining sector at the moment. Which is, uh, it, it hasn't looked like that for a long time. No, it hasn't, and I guess this is all part of the, uh, I guess the Trump trade, and not just, and this was happening before Trump, to be quite honest. I mean, we, we've seen a sort of a global reflation kind of starting to happen. We're seeing that, uh, you know, uh, we're seeing better growth numbers coming out of Europe. We're seeing better growth numbers coming out of Japan. We're seeing tepid growth in the U.S. and, and you know, things aren't looking too bad around the world. So this is driving. Um, commodity prices higher and we've had a long period of uh, deflation or certainly no inflation and now people are starting to talk about inflation fiscal stimulus and, and higher commodity prices all around Yes, and so the higher commodity prices, Rio's taken the opportunity to sell their uh, their coal and allies subsidiaries, thermal coal assets Yeah, this is, this is a big deal they sold uh, uh, their coal and allied business, as you say, I think it was about two and a half billion US Yep. Um, to uh, Yan Coal, which is a um, it's an ASX listed company, but it is pretty much controlled by the Chinese uh, government or Chinese authorities anyway. Um, but it does make them the biggest coal miner in, uh, in Australia. So it is a big deal. It's going to take a little while to get through regulatory approval uh, and all those sorts of FIRB things. But it's certainly you now I don't know whether Rio thinks that this is the top of the market for coal or or whether they're just going to deploy the money elsewhere. But it's certainly. Um, you know, they're certainly sending a signal. We're just not really sure what that signal is. Um, that they're selling their thermal coal assets. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, you know, if 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 they were so uh, so bullish on those uh, those assets, they wouldn't sell them. That's right. Thermal coal, they would be hanging on to them and hoping for a better price down the track. Uh, uh, BHP's not selling their coal assets, though, are they? No, no. Uh, I don't know whether BHP's shrewder than. Uh, and uh, Rio, we'll have to wait and see, but it does push Rio, I guess, firmly back into uh, the iron ore only camp, yep. um, and it does increase their exposure um, to that side of the market, and, and obviously takes them out of the coal game. Well, let's hope they give the money back to the shareholders instead of going on a, a spending spree like they did with that aluminium business that all had to be written off in the end. Yeah, I mean, so, so far the resource companies, and, and you're seeing it, especially with Fortescue, and I wrote this. Uh, today in the newsletter was that uh, you know Fortescue have been very disciplined. Here, here's Fortescue at 
seven bucks, which is a six-year high. Um, you know, they're making money like there's no tomorrow. They're making off like bandits at the moment. And their cash costs are around 13 bucks, and you know, the, the iron ore price is over $80. So, you know, they're, they're doing pretty well. So um, they're paying down a lot of debt, and they have resisted the temptation, which has, as you rightly say in the past, been uh, certainly first and foremost for a lot of resource companies to go out and splurge the money on some sort of acquisition that ends up being not that fantastic. And we saw it with Rio with Alcan. And we saw it with BHP with uh, Petrohawk in the US as well. Mm. And disposals, Grain Corp's decided to sell its allied mills business. Yeah, uh. this is um, this was an interesting deal, I guess. Um, Grain Corp's, I, I, I find Grain Corp a little bit too hard to uh, to follow. It's it's so weather dependent, I guess, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, in terms of the business that I always get a bit uh, apprehensive about. Um, these sorts of stocks. They have done a good job in recent years uh, divest, well, uh, I guess um, diversifying away from just grain and they've, they've done pretty well out of the craft beer market uh, with, their, with their malts and supplies yep. to that uh, burgeoning craft beer market but this is an interesting move for them selling that allied mills as you say so um, it'll be interesting to see um, where it goes from here but um, yeah, we shall see. And uh, Oz, OFX, which was previously Oz4X, has uh, appointed a uh, new CEO and the share price dropped about 20%. Um, what's what's yeah. happening there? Um, they are struggling, um, I have to say. Um, the last CEO was a guy I used to know back in my Macquarie days, Richard Kimber. He hasn't lasted very long in the job and hasn't done a particularly good job either. Um, the... Um, the business seems to be struggling. Um, they're blaming all sorts of things like Brexit for this is a, a sort of a money transfer yeah, yeah. whereby you can convert you know, pounds into dollars or dollars into pounds or whatever currency you like. Um, there's a lot of disruptors in this space. Um, and although they're blaming Brexit and they're saying that you know volumes are still good, but the average um, size of transaction has fallen again. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's tough. They've got a new guy uh, coming in called John Alexander Malcolm, or Scander seems to be his nickname, mm. according to the press. Yes. Um, so <laughs> we remain to see whether he can uh, do a good job or a better job. I mean, incoming CEOs tend to clear the decks. Yes. Uh, Richard Kimber tried to rebadge the company and take it more global and, and change it from Oz4X, uh, which obviously sort of uh, gave away its Australian foundations to OFX. Um, but um, it remains to be seen what Richard uh, what Richard's um, new, um, the guy taking over from Richard is going to do with the company, but I would expect there's a bit of a road back for this one, certainly in terms of market credibility. So um, not one that we're touching at the moment. Fair enough. And we might just come back in a minute and have a quick chat sure. about uh, the other market, darling, that's fallen as well. There's our market update now with Henry Jennings. We're in the middle of it, Stephen Pritchard. Um, so one of the one of the IT stocks that was uh, a bit of a market down last year was GBST, and and the price has fallen dramatically after it's lost some UK contracts. Do you, do you know what's behind that, Harry? Um, well, it's pretty hard for me to say why they've lost their UK yeah, yeah, yeah. contacts, but um, I guess uh, I guess it comes back to this Brexit uncertainty again, and, and people are are uncertain about the environment going forward, and certainly that seems to be the catch-all cry from those companies operating in the UK that are having problems. I think there's probably more 
more to it than that. But certainly, you know, we've we've seen um, a number of IT companies report and really underwhelmed the market in mm-hmm. this sort of what we call confession season. We saw Aconex, they had a staggering 45% yeah. fall in one day on the back of some disappointing numbers. Uh, the, the problem that a lot of these IT companies and GBST falls into this um, to some extent is they're, they're very high PEs um, and there's not a lot of E and there's an awful lot of P. Yeah. And if the uh, E disappears or the E falls, then the, the P really gets absolutely devastated. Mm. Um, you know, things like Aconex were trading on a P of 90 um, and even after the fall, they're still trading on you know, 40 or 50 times PE. So, you know, that, that's a long way away from where the market is at 16, 17. Um, and it's a question, I guess, of relative value. And all these things look great while the emperor has uh, has his clothes on. But as soon as somebody uh, yells out that uh, they have no clothes, it gets uh, embarrassing quite quickly. And I think GBST yes. has kind of fallen into this barrel to some extent. Um, blaming Brexit seems to be a bit... Um, oh, everyone's well, blaming that for everything. Uh, well, they are, and, and yet the UK economy is going pretty well. Mm. Um, the City of London has even turned around with its um, sort of um, with opinion on whether Brexit's good or bad, and is now suggesting that actually Brexit would be a pretty good thing. So, yeah. um, you know, it's 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 going to be a, a long road for the UK to get out of their uh, their marriage to uh, to the EU, and it's not going to be easy. But blaming blaming all your woes on a on a on this relationship is is not going to mm. stand. Stand up, I don't think. And uh, Virtus Healthcare has blamed uh, uncertain economic conditions for a fall in their business as well. Yeah, these are the uh, the IV clinics. I mean, IV is a very expensive thing, um, and there's a few sort of um, I don't know if cut price competitors is something yeah. that you want. I mean, it's it seems a, a strange thing to. to to base your business on, which is, uh, you know, IV clinics. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, I, I have trouble getting my head around it, but, you know, if you're going to, uh, if you want a baby that badly, do you go to the cut price clinic or do you go to the top of the range one? I, I don't know. I, I'm, luckily, I've not been down that track, but certainly there are some pressures. It's an expensive business, and even if, of course, if you do have the baby, then you've got the expensive childcare and the expensive school fees. So maybe a lot of people are actually looking at it and going, you know what? This is all a bit too hard, and maybe uh, maybe we'll uh, we'll put off a baby, or maybe you know nature's trying to tell us something. But certainly, uh, this competition is, um, is 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 hotting up for the IV space. Monash was in the same boat yeah. um, as well, and I think uh, one of the, the big providers, Primary, Primary, has come into this yeah. space as well. So but, 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 uh, there's a bit more competition for uh, for your baby dollar. Yeah, I mean, I think it also there must be some of the fact that this, as this technology becomes mature and, and more developed, it, it, it just drops in price naturally, so the margins disappear. You would think so, yeah. 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 And so, think so. so there's some interesting moves down at Hunter Hall. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a bit of a circus to me. Um, it's it's a massive circus. This was all sparked over the Christmas break by Peter Hall, who's the founder of Hunter Hall and obviously has his name on the door. He decided that basically he wanted to get out of the business and was uh, pretty keen to sell his shares. So so keen, in fact, that he sold them for a dollar, which was massively below where the share price was. And this put Sol Patterson in the game to uh, to buy the business, um, and then um, then we got Jeff Hall, Jeff Wilson rather from uh, from Wilson Asset Management has decided that he sees value in this and wanted to close up the um, the fund's value between its discount 
much of its uh, asset value and has got on board and bought some shares and is now agitating. And now we've had a bid from Pinnacle Investments mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, everything is, uh, the independent directors are saying it all grossly undervalues it. There's lots of, which it does, because I think uh, Sol Patterson's bid's a dollar, um, Pinnacle's a dollar fifty, and they're trading at, uh, you know, two dollars forty or whatever it is. So um, clearly it does undervalue them, but there's going to be a lot of fun and games here. There's, you know, I guess, at the end of the day, there's the discount to the NTA for the uh, for the Global Value Fund, which has been the subject of Jeff Wilson's uh, agitation, has closed up considerably. So um, there is an argument that the share buyback he proposes isn't really worthwhile anymore. But uh, he's still pushing ahead. Pinnacle's pushing ahead. Sol Patterson's pushing ahead. No one knows what Peter Peter Hunt um, Peter Hall's going to do. So um, yeah, it's all fun and games at Hunter Hall at the moment. Yes. And the other fun and games is Bellamy's. Um, uh-huh. so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, someone rang us up yesterday, and I couldn't work out. Work out. They spoke to someone else, and then they come and ask me, and we couldn't work out whether they were acting for the company, the existing directors, or the proposed new directors. Right. So, it's one of the proxy advisors or someone like yeah, that. Yeah, we didn't know what they were talking yeah. about. And I don't think they knew what they were doing. They seem to just recruit these backpacker people to get them in to ring up people. And They do. They give them a script. They give yep. them a phone and say, off you go, find some shareholders and, and, and knock yourself out. It's, um, yeah, it's, um, it's a bit scary, especially if you don't know what uh, you're talking about. But, yeah, the fun and games at Bellamy's continues. Um, I guess that the big, uh, the big news over the last month or so has been the absolute collapse in the share price, the absolute collapse in the, um, in their Chinese story, I guess. Um, the sacking of, uh, Laura McBain as, uh, as the CEO. And now we've got Jan Cameron, who famously founded Kathmandu, uh, the, uh, the outdoor retail chain. She is, uh, she may or may not be behind a mob called Black Prince Foundation. Um, we're not really sure, but she's agitating for board change. The board's trying to hang on to their jobs. Um, you would think that the shareholders wouldn't be that happy with the board, given the uh, given the disastrous turn of events. The board seems to be happy with the management, which seems to have actually done a, a really bad job. Um, so, yeah, it's all a bit of a bun fight down at Bellamy's. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously got uh, Jan Cameron lurking in the background trying to get some changes. Um, and you've got the board desperately trying to hang on to their jobs and their nice, uh, nice uh, boardroom lunches and sit down in Tasmania and get their nice big fat salaries and pretend that they know what they're doing. Well, yeah, well, I had a look at the annual report, and some of the board hardly have any shares. Some of them don't have any shares. Yeah, well, they're, they're, probably, they're probably not as stupid as they look, then. Okay. So we might get Henry's uh, tip for the year. And, uh, yeah. I've, I've got a bit of... It's a bit of a specky stock, and it's one that was has already run quite hard, but there is a stock called Atlas Iron, which is in the iron ore oh, business. Yeah. Um, it was on the brink of uh, of death um, not that long ago with iron ore down around 40 bucks. They had massive amounts of debt, much like Fortescue used to have when iron ore was that kind of price. But since the price has uh, crept up dramatically back up to sort of that 80 buck level, Atlas is starting to make some good money, and they're paying back all that debt. And by the in- middle of next year, they should have paid back all their debt and actually be churning out cash. So provided the iron ore price stays up, this could be the sort of the mini-me Fortescue. They've already run from sort of one and a half, two cents to four and a half. But, you know, there is potential upside um, to maybe nine, ten cents if the iron ore price stays up. They, they still have big cash costs. They're nowhere near as efficient as Fortescue or Rio's or BHP, which I guess is good in some respects, and it gives them a lot of 
upside, if they can get that cash cost down from 34 bucks to even, say, 25 um, that makes a big difference, drops straight through to the bottom line and pays off that debt even quicker. So that's one. It's very speculative, not for your mum and dad investor, but for those that want to have a bit of a um, high-risk punt, maybe that's one to look at. And so if people want to hear your daily updates, how do they get them, Henry? They can go to marcustoday.com.au and they can uh, sign up for a free two-week trial, talk to the lovely Nina, and uh, and she'll sort you out a subscription if you want to go from there. Okay, thanks, Henry. We'll talk to you next week. Stephen Pritchard, we're hoping we're not going to have holes in our shoes a little bit later on this year. So um, what should we be thinking about for our to add to our New Year's resolution? Well, I thought we'd just talk about New Year's resolutions for a minute. Uh, you know, I, I came across some stats the other day. Who knows how they've calculated them, but anyhow. Uh, of the 50% per, per, per of people who make New Year's resolutions, do you make them, Jane? No, neither do I, but anyway, supposedly 50% of people do. Uh, 90%, which I can believe this bit, 90% give up on them. That's like people who go to the gym, you know, they go for a couple of weeks, sign up for the annual subscription, and they give up after that. So I can believe that 90% give up on them. So I thought we'd talk about, you know, if you want to make some new resolutions or just some resolutions, um, and, I, and I, I think one of the problems is people make general resolutions. They'd say, oh, you know, I want to pay off my credit card this year, but they don't actually make a plan to do it, or I want to save some money this year for my my Christmas gifts or whatever. So that, but they don't actually make a plan. So I think I thought what we talk about is, you know, if you want to achieve these things, you, you need to, instead of having these, you know, waffly type things, you need to say, I want, I, I want to pay off my credit card. How do I get there? So the first thing you need to do is you think about a budget. You need to do a budget on, on and you, you, what are you, all your expenses are and what income you've got in them. For most people, that's relatively, relatively easy, the income bit. Anyhow, they get their wages and salaries or they get their uh, superannuation pension or, or whatever, um, and, and they know that that's coming in each fortnight or each month. So the income bit's relatively easy. Um, the discretionary bit, you know, they need to do a budget. Um, um, you know, there's plenty of... Uh, ASIC's the, the got a... Um, online thing on their Fido thing sort of about template. template for doing budgets. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want to ring us up, we can send you a hand. ASIC's more sophisticated than us. We've just got a paper one. But, you know, want to do online one, ASIC's got that. Uh, and we can send you a paper one. But that's not really, you really, you mean, really, you don't need that, really. So what you need to do is list down all your expenses. And, and, and you know, so that, for most people, that's going to be your weekly food bill, um, your, your um yeah, yeah, your rent or your homeland repayments, your council rates, your water rates, your motor vehicle expenses. You need to you need to work out what you're actually spending. And I always try to get people to put down the, the spending that they have to do and separate that out of things from they'd like to do. And, Good uh, idea. Yes. And so, you know, things you have to do is eat. Things you'd like to do is go out to the restaurant every night of the week. So, Fair uh, enough. And so then after you've done the budget, you need to look at, you know, whether you how much left have you got a year and surprisingly most people have got a fair bit of money left at the year when they do these budgets but when it comes to the end of the year the money's all gone it's not there and mm. so what you need to think about then is to pay yourself actually first and i always say what you need to do is you need to go and open a separate bank account um, most people are paid electronically these days so go and open a separate account um, 
at your bank building society or, or even your credit union and probably even a different um, uh, bank or building society or credit union. So so it's not linked to your card and it's more difficult to spend and just get your payroll person to put 10% of your income into this account. And I think after you know after a month or so, you're not even going to miss it because you're used to spending. And I know these days most people are used to spending. They go to the automatic teller machine or they use the FPOS card and they usually spend what's in the account. If the money's never in the account, you're not going to spend it. That's true. So, so if you do this, at the end of the year, you're going to save 10% of your salary. Um, the other thing is um, credit cards. Particularly after Christmas, people have run up a lot of money on their credit cards. Um, there's a number of options available um, that are, people are giving out um, free transfer balances and you know, you swap from one bank to the other, they'll, they'll give you interest-free for 12 months. Now, it's not unusual to see credit card interest rates at 21, 22, 23% plus. Um, and, and so yeah. that means for every $1,000 you owe your credit card, you're paying another $200 a year. So mm. what you want to think about doing, if you've got a credit card debt, 2000 3000 5000 mean, some of the limits are quite large now. $10,000 $10, is costing you $40 a week in interest. So what you want to think about doing is going take taking one of these offers from another financial institution, transfer the credit card balance um, across to this financial institution and pay off a fixed amount each month. Mm-hmm. So that at the end of the interest-free period, your debt's disappeared. So that's important, isn't it? Yes, Carry the debt on until... The end of the interest-free period. So you're, if, if you've got $2,000, that means you've got to pay off about $200 a month. So you pay off your $200 a month, the end of the period you've got, you've got no debt left. Um, of course, you could do what you suggested there, is at the end of the period go and get another interest-free one and roll it, but that depends the point. <laughs> so what you're trying to do is reduce debt, basically, uh, and all of that. Well, that's an interesting thought. Thank you very much, Stephen Pritchard. Just one more thing. One more thing. Small savings could make a big difference if you skip the cup of coffee a year. Uh, uh, you skip your cup of coffee a day down at the coffee shop. That'll give you $20 a, a week in savings and put that into a, a Christmas, club, uh, Christmas club account like they have at the Nova Credit Union and um, you'll have $1,000 at the end of the year for next year's Christmas presents and you won't need to use your credit card at all. Sounds good. That's Thursday Finance for today. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.